All right, what's up, everybody? This is uh, Mike McKenney again at the Sports Medicine Pot Broadcast. Um, today we're talking out of the podcast lounge, as we have been all day, Dragonfly Max. Um, helping us put this on. We're at the uh, 2019 NATA convention. Um, today we're talking with uh, Mike and Ethan and talking about functional movement technique. I think with both of these gentlemen here, um, a lot of their notoriety is about talking about obviously rock tape and things of that nature, but we're going to go a little bit of a different direction today and I think really talk about um, a continuing education track you guys are offering. Oh, awesome, yeah. Really want to, I want to dive into that because we were talking a little bit about the top-down approach and really brain first not tape up and let's see kind of where we go with that so I've got one thing that I'd like to maybe start with I think it's a good segue for talking about continuing education and I've been saying this to like a lot of the students athletic trainers that we came through the expo today at the booth and some Mark Twain quotes one of my favorites is don't let your schooling get in the way of your education and what we're learning what we learn in school is the basics but how we pursue education beyond that is what makes the difference in your clinical career. And so maybe that's a great way I to start. I think that's a great way to start. Because sure. we all need to, I think, be aware of the fact that when you are credentialed in any healthcare profession, you are entry level leaving school. Yes. And now your education begins. And now it begins, exactly. And now it begins because now what do you take this foundation and build upon? So I think that's a fantastic yeah, way to start. Yeah, I Okay, I think so we have a, uh, I was going to say one point about that is we have a lot of, um, a lot of students now are taking courses. They're taking rock tape courses. They're taking FRC, PRI, everything under the sun. And I think they want more from their curriculum. So they get the baseline in the curriculum. But there's so much con ed out there that people are diving into so much information. So it's hard. I think it takes a certain student to be able to capture that, all that information and critically think through all, all that information. It's a lot for people. But there's so many options now. People are taking curriculum out of con ed instead of saying okay i'm going to go do a doctorate i'm or a master's or something they're going to basically take fifty thousand dollars worth of con ed through the next year you know it's pretty amazing you know and then it's like if you talk about the practical application if you spend that kind of time just a year how proficient are you really like is oh, this yeah. something that's, that's a big a, question like yeah i'm proficient at learning but am i proficient at applying you're proficient sure. at getting alphabet soup behind your name that's what you're proficient at. <laughs> so tell me a little bit more about um, these functional movement techniques you're talking about. So, um, or this, where does this course start? What's the basis of it? So I, I, well, I know the basis. We've kind of been talking about it, but yeah, getting into the material, what, what are we looking yeah, at? Yeah, so we have, um, I'll, I'll speak really quick. We have, um, geez, how many courses now, Mike? I think so we got, seven yeah, seven courses? courses now, yeah. So we, we wish that people can take it more at a graduated level. So we have... Um, functional movement techniques, functional movement um, training, all these types of movement stuff that we're doing with tape. And there's a basic and there's a performance and there's six CEUs per class, so six hours. And then we have a instrument assisted course called Blades and Blades Advanced. And then now we have uh, what we call rock pods, which are similar to cups. Uh, we're not trying to challenge traditional Chinese medicine. We're trying to understand a lot more neurosensory and changes to the skin. And we also have Rock Floss. And now we just launched our uh, movement specialist course. It's a lot of, lot of curriculum. Yeah, and I think um, just for those uh, listening and watching along, um, one of the things that I think just from my, my chat with these nice gentlemen before we got on is obviously budgets are strained. Not a lot of people have you know, money to buy all tools and fancy things, but I think clinicians need to realize the best rehab tool is the patient they're treating. Oh, yeah. 
That's a great line. Dude, I yeah. love that. And so when we're looking at um, continuing ed courses that you talked about, like, well, everyone's got a brain, right? Yeah. So. And, you know, we really push – if we when we teach course, we're, we're talking about education. We want to educate people out there on the whys, not how. You can go on YouTube and see how to do a tool, how to do tape or how to use a pod. But why are you using it? When should you be using it? And we don't even make people buy our own products. If you want to come to our tooling course, you could bring your – Gua Sha tools, your Sastin tools, your, you know, whatever. Yeah. Tools, whatever. You could bring the, the back of your scissors. We don't care. I was going to say, can I bring the back of my reflex hammer? Cause that's <laughs> whatever, whatever you want to do. Hey, man, it works. We just want to educate people on what's the current science, what's the current myofascial science, and what we think we're doing and what we think we're really not doing. I think what we're finding out is that we're not doing a lot of stuff out there that we've been doing for a long time. So what do all these products really do? Yeah. Yeah, that's the question. And I think that's, um, it, it's nice to hear like an honest assessment of that because I always like, I care more about what can we admit that we don't know? Oh, that's a great one. I think, I think the deeper I get into my career, the more I realize how much I don't know. The more I learn, the more I realize I don't know a lot. And, and, and that's what keeps me going. It keeps me wanting to learn more and answer those questions. But you know, I, I think you really hit the nail on the head. And, and one of the things that I, when I'm teaching that I try to instill in the group is, we should be teaching more than we treat, right? The treatment shouldn't be something that people then have to rely on to feel better. It's a, it's a means to an end. If I can get you to feel a little bit better in the short term, and that's what the literature has shown us, is that any manual therapy or any treatment can help us create a transient change, a temporary window of change. What you do with that window is what matters, not oh, I, I got somebody to feel a little bit better. I'll see you on Wednesday. Because, like, what changes from Monday to Wednesday? You know, like, I'll wait. I mean, I've also got pain science research that'll tell me if I change the color of the room walls. Absolutely. I just changed, you know, a, a rating of pain. But that's not going to teach someone self-care. That's just Absolutely. The color, that's the color of my clinic. Sure. Yeah, I think that, you know, when our, in our class, we talk about empowering the patient or empowering the client because – Here's the thing. You can give them homework. And I don't even like to use that term because right. that term it's is punishment. negative. Yeah, it's a punishment. Did you do your homework today? So I use the term engagement. Did you engage today? Did you do any type of engagement? Because it's a different term. And we want to empower people to do their own corrective exercise or any type of rehab. Or just take ownership of their body. Yeah, that's great. You know what I mean? Yeah, and I think for those listening along, I'm like, think, think deeper into what Ethan just said. Like the words you just said about homework things like that that's that was negative for everyone like right words matter yeah. and so if you're talking about personal empowerment self-care giving people the self the intrinsic motivation to succeed sure they need to buy in right and i would say too is um they don't buy in the homework yeah no. and, and with athletic training is very it's a specialty so athletic training you see a client or patient every single day sometimes twice a day so it's really hard to get people to to buy in they, they want to be fixed and they think that you're going to fix them and that attitude has to change and i think treating seeing your client or patient less is more empowering when you see somebody every single day like you're not going to make those changes they need to make those changes on their own so it's almost like i want them to come into the clinic or see me less because I want them to gain excess of empowering themselves and say, I can make a change. And that's a really big psychosocial change. That's the hardest thing right there. Yeah, and um, at least our patient population at Northeastern is um, very busy. I mean, it's college, everyone's busy. But sure. So we have athletes that they sometimes their everyday contact is simply practice. But from a treatment standpoint, they might be out on their own. We've got kids that work full-time jobs as a part of their education. Right. Um, and so that's they report that to us. Like, if they have more to do and they can 
that's to build that self-care component, they succeed. But it, but it, like you said, it, and it all wraps back to education. We have to, sh- you know, I can't, I can't help you. I can't prepare the path for you. I have to prepare the person for that path, right? So I have to teach you how to own your body and what that system looks like, and just know that there is no perfect treatment program or rehab program. It's it's taking the information that we can ascertain through our assessment, and then ins- inserting an intervention that hopefully gives us a, a, a change in that short term, and that's where our buy-in comes in. Show somebody a short-term change, get them to buy into the process of that rehab, and now you can start to project them out over a longer period of time, because that's what it takes is time and load and consistency to really see the results that most people are after. So with the courses you guys are talking about, obviously it's you know in our population here at the Athletic Trainers, we want to equip them um, in situations where I always I started in the high school setting. It was me, another athletic trainer, and 700 athletes. So it's like, so how do you, how does the material you guys are presenting and teaching help that person? So how can they give people? Because to your point, they're not going to see them every day. They might not. They might get out of class. They might have 45 minutes. And right. Everyone's at their activity. Right. So you t- are you asking like on the the clinician side? How does it help the clinician, or are you talking about the athlete, or maybe a little bit of both? A little, a little bit of both. But right. I guess if we need to teach athletes as learners, I think right. we can all agree that they're all students. Well, we have a lot of settings, but if you're hurt and you're seeing somebody, you're learning about your injury yourself and your rehab, regardless of your setting. Right. But what do you give? What tools do you give the athletic trainer to get better at that? Because they need to get. So I, I think the the strongest part about FMT education and FMT, just to clarify, FMT is the education brand of Rock Tape. But the strongest part about it is is it's we okay we will have a, a a kinesio taping course right a rock taping course. So we're wrapping a, a lot of modern rehabilitation techniques around a singular tool so that we can keep our conversation focused, but. But what we're really doing is giving a great introduction to a more 30,000-foot view of what treatment looks like, right? So they're coming expecting to learn, okay, I'm going to learn how to tape in this course. What they actually come and learn is fascial anatomy, movement science, modern pain science, neurophysiology, and how we can understand the why behind whatever that singular modality is. And, you know, and I'll tell, you know, again, something I've been saying all day to a lot of the students, athletic trainers here is we're not fixers, we're facilitators. So all we can do is provide some type of stimulus that we're hoping that person, that individual will respond to favorably. It doesn't always work that way, which is why you need to understand concepts and larger view pictures before you just go, okay, this is the way I'm going to tape this every time. That becomes less important as you zoom out from that individual so really introducing an athletic trainer to lots of concepts that can kind of steer you know maybe future education for them yeah here's the thing with the the concepts and i i love the idea of concepts but like mike's talking about this 10,000 30,000 foot view people come into class that you want to know how do i treat the rotator cup how right. do i treat the patellar tendon how do i treat this with a cup of tool a piece of tape and we're all we talk about concepts here's a concept of how to treat a human Here's what underlying tissue looks like around that area. How can we treat this area to mitigate pain so we can move further into the process? People have a hard time with that. Some people are good critical thinkers. They can handle that. Other people usually... They want that protocol. They, they want, want the that protocol. if-then statement. Tell, yeah. tell me how to do it so I can do it. It's a very it's, it's a different thought process that we want to break. 
People but need to be critical thinkers and problem solvers by themselves. You know? But the, 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 the funny thing about that is, is that's kind of almost built into our current education system, right? Like you look at grade school, middle school, high school, even college, we're teaching to the test. We're teaching to get a grade. So what those students end up really learning is how do I get all this information in so I can regurgitate it? But I don't really understand it. Right. So you until you can teach it, you really don't understand it. Right. So it's it's one of those things where we're trying to give somebody a, a deeper level of understanding as to the why, because the why is what gets you the result. And I think uh, when we cross over into that athlete side of things, so it's obviously the, the clinician needs the why because they're, sure. they're helping navigate those waters. But um, our director of strength and conditioning, um, Dan Sanzo, is fantastic at saying we're giving them a strategy. Sure. So that's 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 one of our approaches of it's not just strength training pick up put down heavy things and get stronger i mean granted, right that's what happens if you want to yeah exactly but, but you gotta give them a strategy to do it right like to achieve a goal achieve emotion achieve you know exactly approach that but i, th I think for athletic training too one of the things we do have in our favor is when you're working with an athletic population generally speaking that's a pretty engaged population like Nobody gets to the collegiate level of sports because they don't like the sport or they're not into it. So when you have that person who's really vested in getting better, then you can take your understanding of the why and kind of filter that down to the athlete so that they understand, hey, this is why it's important for you to take these steps before you jump into the weight room. Take these steps before you hop onto the field because now you understand what the benefit or the return on that time investment is and now you're more likely to actually apply it and be consistent with it to get the result that you're looking for. But unless I show you that win, I got to show you that early win to get you to right believe in that process and the belief system like you were saying buy-in. I'm a huge buy-in guy. Buy-in is everything because if you really want to change somebody, it takes time. It takes time. And it, and it and I think it's uh, neurologically stressful. Sure. So if I think most sports scientists agree, um, or even those that don't study sport but study neuroscience, is the most stressful thing neurologically to happen to humans that we have research on is combat. Sure. Number two, sport, because you're you're accessing levels of stress and performance and motor memory and like they're not thinking right they're performing it's all fast. unconscious yeah yeah and so i think it's um that's stressful and that's that's intent that's you know keeping everything engaged and i think th but that applies everywhere that's not just athletes like that's tactical medicine that's oh yeah like it's context is everything even you know we have emerging settings and it seems like assembly line stuff it's like yeah they, they have to be engaged there's some serious workplace at workplace accidents that can happen so it really all matters. It's not right. just how well are my soccer players or hockey players doing. It's no, it's everybody. Yeah, and again, you know, just full circle is is, is that exact perspective. Is just understanding that there's so much more to the human being than just the meat suit. You know what I mean? And and it gets really easy in school, in anatomy and physiology to to disassociate that human condition from the anatomy because we're looking at models we're looking at skeletons we're looking at diagrams looking at cadavers so it's easy to dehumanize that and the reality is is you have to appeal to the human being in order to really get that result and if and the truth is is like everything works and nothing works in terms of treatment techniques but if you get somebody to believe in what that in what they're doing and what you're doing together as a as a team in terms of treatment team or therapeutic alliance which is a theme in rock our FMT education that we, we preach a lot is creating an alliance with that person. 
Son, I'm not fixing you. We're working together. I'm a guide. And that's all I can do is help you navigate the information that we have in front of us. I think you have to have this, what Mike Stella is saying, is Mike Stella has a lot of personality, you know, and I think that really helps. You know, you'd have to have personality. So I used to tell students of mine when I was a program director is that, you know, it's almost 65% personality, 35% knowledge. You know, if you can yeah. have some personality and engage with your client or your patient, then you can have a that early buy and win, and then you can work with them, you know. So that's super helpful. Talk to me more about uh, therapeutic alliance, because obviously you know, there's a lot of words for it. I know right now interprofessional collaborative practice is a big thing in athletic training, but... Therapeutic alliance sounds... Yeah, so there, we've like been using that term. Therapeutic alliance has been used by a lot of people, but therapeutic alliance is basically... You, you use the phrase, words matter, right? We use that phrase a lot. Words matter. And what we have currently in, in traditional sports medicine, what I see, especially Western sports medicine, is scare tactics, Right, so we show people an MRI. We show them a, a visual image of a, a disc or a, a vertebrae or a, a, an injury to their ACL or something like that. And those things scare people, right? And I think we're very good at scaring people. You walk into an athletic training room and you see models of torn ACLs. You see spines with you know big red protruding discs with lightning bolts coming out of it. It's scare tactics. And we really want to develop a therapeutic alliance and say, okay, we're going to work with you with a lot of these you know uh, discomforting things you're having or injuries you're having. I, so words matter. I won't say the injured knee. I'll say the involved knee, right? So And I try to make this therapeutic alliance saying, yeah, we can work with this. We can go here. I can get you to move better after I maybe do some type of technique on you, and it's not going to injure you further, and I'm going to develop a therapeutic alliance where you feel good with me, I feel good with you, and you feel good in your environment. You feel safe. So a lot of people, the pain science will tell us people that are on threat, lower level centers of their brain will basically inhibit them. They won't want to move. And when we have that inhibition of movement, brain inhibition of threat, it causes a problem. So a therapeutic alliance comes from you, the clinician, working with the patient, working with the coach, working with the family, developing the whole alliance that we all are on the same page of, of creating less threat in their life. It's beautiful. You know? Yeah. I mean, oh, just to take that one Mike. step. For, dude, Thank you're just, you, buddy. Man, you're just oh, beautiful. I'm just like in awe right now. Man. Oh, thanks, buddy. But just to take that a step further, and I, I think I already lost my train of thought, but, um, you know, uh, like building off that therapeutic alliance, again, if, if people believe in what you're saying and what you're doing and you can get them to t a lot of times people just need permission they go to the doctor they see that mri got three or four herniated discs in my back and now they're afraid to move and they come to us and we can, we have basically a few options here we can kind of play the passive role and just say oh yeah doc said not to do anything and we're just going to kind of sit back and wait for some undetermined length of time to pass before like what time heals you i guess or we, we can start to give them permission. Okay, yeah, you've got an injured back right now. You may be a little bit load compromised. Let's, let's cool it on the max effort deadlifting and maybe just start to reintroduce some movement that's similar that's in a non-painful way and just get you moving again. And then you can start to build a little bit of confidence. And then we can start to progress that movement and start to introduce load again. But load is what's going to change that Have you ever treated anybody and just gave them the validity of saying, yeah, it's really not as bad as, as And they think. instantly feel better. And, like, they walk. And then now their gait's changed. Yeah. It's like, how did your gait change? <laughs> and I think that's even... Um, I, I've seen it countless times. Like they come back and they're like, okay, well, let's go, let's go see our your physician and let's review the MRI results. And the MRI is clean. It's and now the, the oh yeah, now the MRI says, hey, you're clean, you're good. I mean, sometimes it's like that's frustrating for an athlete because well, it doesn't explain why I'm in pain. But then there's the other population 
where they see beautiful disc space. There's no stress injury anyway, and they're, they're skipping. Oh, yeah. Skipping and, and, I, and, I t- and this is like a critical it's pain science thing, and but it's like, like it's can you have pain in the absence of structural damage? The, yes, absolutely. We all know that. So then why are we so, why are we so obsessed with what the MRI says? And, and again, it, it, a lot of t- and that comes from kind of the overall message of healthcare that's been filtered down from the top. It's not an athletic training thing. It's a healthcare thing. This is the system that we have, for better or worse. That's, it is what it is. But like Ethan was saying, these scare tactics. So then when our empowerment comes in, when we can just start to give that permission and start to have people understand, like, listen, you can be in the in pain in the absence of structural damage. So therefore, what we see on that MRI may or may not be the driver of that symptom at this particular time. So don't feel broken. We don't, uh, you know, that, that's the biggest thing is how many people just feel broken. And they'll know? tell and they you. live that way. And I, and I think when you were talking, I think the biggest thing that uh, we like to impart on young athletes, or any, honestly, any clinician I talk to is that I, I, I always challenge people, try and go a week and don't use the word pain. It's very difficult, very difficult. But sure. the best advice ever given to me is athletes always tell you two things, what's wrong and how to fix it. They just don't know they're telling you how to fix it. We have to listen. And so they're going to give us that roadmap. And so letting them talk, letting them share their oh, story. So now, true. It, it doesn't, maybe that MRI does show there's a herniated disc. Okay, but. And that, and listen, and that's information for us. But that information is agnostic. It doesn't have a meaning inherent to it. it it is what it is it's just information that we can use in that person's unique equation for where they're at in this in their process but i, I liked what you said you know about um you know talking about uh and i just lost my train of thought <laughs> just, it was there and it was and then it just left Fleeting. you know i think uh <laughs> i'm kind of like a walking epitome of uh i'm 50 now i just turned 50 last week mike right mike that's right last week and, you make uh, it 50 look good, though. Thanks, man. buddy. And I have a rotator cuff tear in my left arm, and I have uh, disc bulging in my neck, disc bulging in my low spine. I have a uh, meniscus tear in my right knee, and my toes and hands are arthritic, all from jiu-jitsu, by the way. Yeah, but I still train four to five times a week, and uh, I'm quite mobile, and I do fairly well. I know I have all those things on my body, but it's up to me to figure out how I'm going to deal with how I'm going to feel good that day, just that day. It's almost like AAA or AA. Is it AA or AAA? No, it's AA. AA. Right. How am I going to handle this day today? Sure. Right. Step Not one. all the days. How do I feel today? How am I going to handle today? So. So, oh, that's fantastic. I think that's that gets back to the strategy. You have a strategy. You've learned. Right. I mean, obviously, in the martial arts, there's a lot of self-improvement based around those right. techniques, but right. you have a strategy. So it's like, yes, often we find the no list of don't do X, Y, and Z. It's actually quite short. Right, you know, I love they, that. They, they cover big things, but right. the yes list is always lar- it's always larger. It's just right. the yeses are a little different. Like, okay, maybe you have an issue in like the hip where yeah, you can't squat because we can. Okay, we have a lot of yeses we can do. Yeah, there's so a can lot we, of other human being that, that we can work on improving yeah. and improve that environment. You Jeez, know, there's, there's so many, and th- those those that's really good stuff right there. And I think that. That no list right there. It, I don't know where where we got so scared. I, I think it's top down, medical doctors down, and then you know it's just a scare tactic. It's a bummer. Yeah, because I mean, there's definitely things where like you know there's we need information, but information is open to interpretation. Sure. So, and that's where I think, um, and like you said, the words like it's like yeah, this is torn, that disc is blown, this is ruptured, right. this is what. 
red red pen on a paper. Yeah, and then right? people leave the doctor's office and they feel like they're made out of chalk, like they're going to step off the curb wrong and their freaking back's going to explode. And, and, and they that's leave, just not going to happen. Yeah, they walk out there antalgic <laughs> instead of walking, right. walking out there. Yeah, because when we talk with um, other athletic trainers from other places, they're like, this is the feedback I get from my athletes. Like, how do I help with this? And it's like, well, you can be the change. It's like, right. you know, because especially like when I was in the high school setting, like I, I had uh, the physicians we would periodically refer to, but we had 700 kids. Like they yeah. go all over the place. So it's like, you have to almost help them guide through that. Like, you know, the, the information they didn't get was wrong necessarily. Yeah, that's exactly what the MRI report said. Right. But now we need to navigate this. Like, how do we navigate this? Here's our restrictions. Here's where we go. And now it's like when people come to you and you just ask, how can I help? And here, right. here's the bummer. There's the Pain gap. just went down. There's the gap right there. The gap is... They're going to uh, a physician and getting uh, an MR. They're getting information, but they don't know how to handle that information. Nor does it the, lacks nor context. Nor does the doctor. It lacks context, and there's a gap because the doctor doesn't know how to mitigate that information either. They just read the report. This is what it is. This is what I think I can do to do to make it better by surgery. But they missed the whole gap right there and what else they can do. Yeah, I, ha I have a great situation where we have clear communication with our doctors and, and it works really well because we're all on the Which same is key. page. It's fantastic. Right. But I just know from my past experiences in other locations, that's not always the case. And there's a lot of athletic trainers. Unfortunately, right that's there. a lot of times the that's the exception and not, yeah. not the norm, unfortunately. Yeah, and so that's where it's like, okay, we're in these settings. We're the one profession, like you said, that sees people before they're hurt, when they get hurt, during rehab, and when they're back to play. And then when they're back to play, the whole spectrum. We still see them every day. Yeah. For four years in college, four to five years in high school, if we got middle school attached, you know. Not to mention the relationship, you know, like the strength of that relationship that, you know, that where you can have those hard conversations. You can, once you have a, a, a sound or like, you know that I'm on your side. You know I'm in your corner. I just want to see. I want to see you succeed in your sport, right? Once that is established, I can have that hard conversation. I can challenge what you think you know, because it's coming from a place of love and it's coming from a place of trust. Versus, you know, telling somebody, "Hey, oh, I, I know you have this disc issue," and, and if you don't have any relationship with them, trying to convince them otherwise is an uphill battle. And you might be doing more harm than good for that person to try to change their mind so i liked your point from before which was listen you know what i mean they'll, they'll give you the answer and sometimes you know when i have a client and i'm an athletic trainer in private practice so i have a really unique situation i can tell when that athlete walks in that they just want to get it off their chest like they just and i might be the first healthcare provider that actually listened to what they had to say why do you believe that these are the things that are going on and then over that course of treatment over time as I build as we build that relationship and that rapport I can start to incrementally challenge those thought viruses a little bit at a time you yeah because they all have preconceived notions everyone's and that cognitive ev affect is a yeah. huge part yeah. of how you feel and everyone's got them so it's, absolutely it's not, and that's where I think people are like you're not doing anything wrong no. as a clinician and you're just like okay this is my next step. This is how I'm going to improve, and this is where we need to go from I there. I think with, with rock tape classes, we really we hit that quite well. As people come in, their arms are folded. Just like Mike says, they think they're going to do a protocol for a tool or for a cup or for a piece of tape, and we give them this whole way to treat the person and how to approach the person and what words to use and what therapeutic alliance is and, and where they can go with their next step and give them something for Monday treatment. You know, on, perspective. Yeah, yeah, and that that's where I think, you know, we're so sliced up in protocols, no one's really stepping back and looking at the big picture. And I honestly think most surgeons, if you were to sit them down and ask them about their protocol, every last one of them is going to tell you this is a roadmap, not 
one, two, three. Right. They have checkpoints. You have, it's a, it's a guide. Because here's guide. the thing. If you have, you know, if you're sliced up and you don't have outcomes and you don't have outcomes and the next you don't have outcomes, then you're doctor shopping. Now you're to the next athletic trainer or to the next PT or doctor. By the time you know it, you've been to five different health providers and you haven't got the answer. So now they feel failed. You know, it's like you can drive down the road and hit every pothole that they're giving you, like right. that is happening because of treatment. People heal right. differently or the nuances of you're still right. going down the road. The protocol still followed. The outcome's still fantastic. The surgery's successful. That's right. But you know who they land on? They land on the one that they they I have this. Uh, we do this exam in our in our class called True Colors. It talks about personality testing. Who are you talking to? How are you talking to them? What is their personality? That's a fantastic test. It's, it's great, right? So we want to know how do we engage this person? You may be a blue. He may be a green. And, you know, it's not a great test or anything, but it gives us a, a window to say, who are we talking to? Because that person is going to land on the person that they feel uh, treats them well, understands, understands them well, and them. listens, right? right? Like Mike's saying, listens. So they may that person may have little information regarding their treatment process, but they feel safe with them and comes back to safety. Perfect. So we got a, a couple minutes left. Um, just kind of wrapping it up here. I mean, anything else you guys want to say about the courses? Just obviously you're here in the convention. People come talk to you more further about getting signed up, things like that. But anything else you guys want to add? Yeah, they could come down to the Rock Tape booth. Um, come check us out. We're doing a raffle for a free course. Uh, we have a lot of courses. Our price point, our courses is exceptional. Uh, I say we undercut most people as far as price points, and we give out so much information. Like Mike said, again, uh, you're going to get so much more than you know a cupping or a tools or a, a, a taping course. You can get a lot of information. We're engaging. We want to listen. So when we teach courses, we're very Socratic. We listen to what you want to do, and we have an engaging conversation for the next six hours. It's not just top-down Here's the approach. Here's yeah. the approach. Like digest this or die. Yeah. You know, yeah. 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 So we, you know, learning is very different these days, and some people, everyone learns different. So we think student engagement is key and needed. Fantastic. Well, um, I guess for well myself, Mike, Mike, yes, <laughs> and Ethan, fantastic conversation. Uh, this is the Sports Medicine Broadcast Live at the Dragonfly Max Podcast Lounge. Um, yeah, and that's a wrap. Thank you guys. Thanks, guys.